the 20th Psalm, and we'll commence our reading of it to the chief musician, a Psalm of David. The Lord, hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. Send thee help from the sanctuary, and strengthen thee out of Zion. Remember all thy offerings, and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee according to thine own heart, and fulfill all thy counsel. We will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the King hear us when we call. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his precious word this evening. If you were ever to visit Northern Ireland in July, then there is a word in this particular psalm that will come to your mind. And when I read this psalm, I think of Northern Ireland in July, uh, particularly the 12th of July, uh, when the Orange men, the Orange Order, uh, march up and down the country and they display their banners. And those banners show who they are. And of course, when we think of the Orange Order, uh, there are many issues. Personally, I would have uh, with them, they stand for good things, the Protestant Reformation, etc. But uh, there are many in there who are unsaved, who know nothing of the great truths of the Protestant Reformation. And that is another subject entirely. Uh, But those banners show who they are, what part of the country they're from. Uh, They show something of their faith. Uh, Many of those banners depict maybe a victory in battle or they depict some biblical scene, maybe David and Goliath. And those banners indicate who these people are and what they believe. And it is a national thing, it is a political thing, it is a religious thing. Uh, Back in Northern Ireland you have the bands and the music and it's quite the cultural spectacle. But when we come to this psalm, we see banners in view. And we see that here in the verse number five. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. And what is the banner? It declares who we are. It declares where we're from. It declares what we believe. It declares who we follow, where we stand religiously in society. And this psalm is a psalm that declares that. To the people of God and declares to the world where the people of God and where David himself stood. It is believed that he penned this psalm on some particular expedition or in general as a form to be used in the daily service of the church for him. And it is a psalm that is classed as a national anthem, a national anthem. We could say it is perhaps the Israelite version of O Canada or God save the king, Uh, but it is a psalm that 
refers to national things. It refers to the king. It's praying for the leaders. It's praying for the nation. And David was a monarch who spent time in war. This psalm is focused upon that. Uh, He was a king who stood for the Lord and trusted in him. That psalm reminds us of this. Uh, We are not at peace in this world as the church of Christ. We are at war and there are lessons in this psalm that then apply to us. Uh, But when we think of the relationship between the church and the government, and when we think of the relationship we have in regard to this psalm being a national anthem, we have a duty as the church to the government. And now in recent years, and that relationship between church and government has been talked about and thought about and discussed a lot more than it has had in previous years because of the issues arising during covid But what duty do we have as a nation and as the Lord's people? Well, we have a duty to obey our leaders in as much as they rule righteously. If they rule righteously and make righteous laws, we are to obey those laws. We will not agree with every law. We will not agree with every law. Yesterday I was driving home from the church and someone was driving at 30 kilometers an hour all the way home in a 50 kilometer zone. Uh, So I think they disagreed that that road should be a 50 kilometer an hour road. And they were driving at 30. We missed every single light. And it took me uh, longer to get home. Uh, But we can have it at the other side. You can disagree with the 50 kilometer speed limit. You can believe it should be 100. And therefore you drive at 100. And you are going to meet a police officer at some stage. But we need to obey it. It's a little unimportant law. It's there for the preservation of life and safety. It's not something that is sinful or wicked to obey, even if we may disagree with it. But when we think of the more serious laws of the government, bringing sinful agendas into the church, well, that's a problem. And, of course, we are to stand against that. But in general, when the government make righteous laws, when the government make laws that don't, stamp and trample upon our rights and freedoms and our beliefs, and then we should honour the government. And this psalm teaches us something else. We're to pray for the nation. We're to pray for our leaders. We're to pray for those who have the rule over us. John Calvin said that this psalm contains a common prayer for the church in behalf of the King of Israel, that God would succour him or help him in danger And in behalf of his kingdom, that God would maintain it in safety and cause it to prosper. For in the person of David, the king, the safety and well-being of the whole community centered. And that is what we see here. David was prayed for as the king and as the ruler so that the nation would be secure and safe and protected. And so I want us to consider this evening national assurance in God. National assurance in God. And we see firstly, petitions for the king. Petitions for the king. David penned a psalm that requests prayer for himself. And this is founded upon biblical principles. It is important and it is proper to request prayer from others. And there are times when there are those within our congregation who ask for prayer. And prayer was a characteristic of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. 
If we turn for a moment to 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, the chapter 3. And the verse 1, he's praying about the ministry of the word. He says, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Brethren, pray for us. Pray that the word, that which we are engaged in, the word of God, that it would have free course and be glorified. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 25, again, he says similar words. Brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. Sage Spurgeon said that all loyal subjects ought to pray for their king. And of course, we're thinking of a monarchy here. Spurgeon lived in a monarchy. And we find uh, that obviously David being the king was a monarchy in Israel. And in a sense, uh, we have a monarchy today because uh, we have as head of state uh, King Charles III. And uh, we should certainly uh, pray uh, for him uh, when we think of uh, Charles I and Charles II, looking back to history, and especially the history of the Puritans, uh, those kings were not good kings. And so I remember hearing over the years uh, regarding Prince Charles ever coming to the throne that his predecessors in regard to that name were not good kings in English church history. Uh, but we're to pray for the king, but we can think of our government. The king is a little far removed from us. But we think of our local government. We think of our federal government. We think of those who rule. We're to pray for them. And Spurgeon said all loyal subjects pray for their king. And most certainly citizens of Zion have good cause to pray for the prince of peace. In times of conflict, loving subjects double their pleas. And there are times that arise that require us to pray. And to pray more intensely. And to pray more energetically for uh, the Lord and the cause of Christ. Notice the petitions they bring to the Lord here. They pray that the Lord would hear David's prayers. Verse 1, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Praying for the king. He was a great king. And a characteristic of that greatness was that he realized in writing this psalm he needed prayer. Dear brother and sisters, no matter where we stand spiritually, or how spiritual or how godly we may be, we always need prayer. We always need men and women within the church to pray for us. As the pastor of this congregation, I'm encouraged when there's prayer for myself and for the preaching of the word of God. For those who labor alongside because we need prayer. We have not got to the point, and we never will get to a point, where we do not need the ministry of prayer here on this earth. We need it. David was a king who faced much war and trouble, and through it all, he needed to pray himself. He needed the Lord to answer his cries. And the people realized that David needed prayer. Or that we would realize as a church and as a congregation that the Lord's servants and the leaders within his church and ourselves as well and our leaders in society need much prayer. May the Lord give us a burden in that regard. David himself, and there's another thought here, was a man who prayed. He was encouraging others to pray, but he was a man who prayed himself. We see that in the Psalms. We are encouraged with the prayers of others, but 
We ought not to neglect the place of prayer ourselves. They prayed for the Lord's protection. Verse 2, send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. And they prayed for David. They realized that the servant of the Lord had enemies as well. The nation had enemies and they were to pray for the Lord's protection. They prayed for the Lord's help. Uh, Verse 2 as well. And that word strengthen, strengthen the out of Zion. In the Hebrew it means to support, to comfort, to establish, to hold up, to refresh. And they were praying that the Lord would be all these things to his servant. That he would strengthen him in the task. We ought to pray that for our spiritual and our political leaders. That they would know the Lord. They would pray to the Lord. But they would know this establishing and this strengthening that comes from the Lord. They pray the Lord would accept their sacrifices as well. Verse 3. They pray that the Lord would grant David success in his leadership. And uh, that is vital for us today. We see that uh, moving through this psalm. This is what the great theme is, that the Lord would give help and the Lord would bless. And verse 4, grant thee according to thine own heart and fulfill all thy counsel. And that is vital for us to pray today for the Lord's servants, that they would know success in serving the Lord. We're to pray for the spiritual leaders. We're to pray for our political leaders. We're to pray that the Lord would grant them success as they seek to lead. It's a difficult world to lead in. It's a difficult society to serve the Lord in. Even the Church of Christ can be a difficult place in which to lead and and serve. I've seen many problems all over the years in churches And in congregations, I've seen issues firsthand. I've seen churches divided over certain matters. And by God's grace, I've seen none of that here. And may continue by God's grace. And may we continue to pray for one another. But it's so easy for the devil to come in. And for disagreements and problems to arise that separate us and divide us. And there will be differences. We will have differences with one another. But we're not to let these things divide us. Divide us. We're to pray for our leaders. We're to pray that the work of God would go forward. We would pray for success and for that bond and that unity. How often, how often churches can be divided over The most trivial of things, the most silly of things. But yet, may the Lord be pleased to keep his hand upon us and to help us not to be divided and to give the devil the victory over little things. May may we have that love, that bond. And of course, may we know that good leadership From those who lead the work of God. And so there was prayer for the king. But notice here as well. Trusting God secondly. Trusting God. The psalmist David. Is focusing here now. On trusting the Lord. Verse 5. We will rejoice in thy salvation. 
And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. They rejoiced in the Lord. Uh, They rejoiced in his salvation and in his hand upon the king. And they were willing to set up their banners in the name of the Lord. They were willing here to put actions to their prayers. That's an important thing. We will rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. They were prepared to stand for the Lord. Not only to utter words, not only to sing words or pray words, but to actually take the banners and set them up physically so that men and women would know where they stood. There was an action here. They did not just say we belong to the Lord, but they acted that they belong to the Lord. And dear believer, we're to do that ourselves. We are to put actions to our prayers. Actions to our prayers. For example, we can pray for the Lord to save a particular individual. We could pray for 20 years for the Lord to save our next door neighbor. But we never invite them to church. We never share the gospel with them. We never make any attempt to be that bridge between the church of Christ and between the gospel and them. It is the Lord who saves. But we are to witness as well. And so in that simple way, yes, we pray and we should pray. But we're to put actions to our prayers. And we're to pray the Lord would bring them to church. The Lord would save them. But we're to invite them. We're to share the gospel of Christ. And here they held their banners high. They were not ashamed of their Savior. They're not ashamed of their God. They trusted in him. They were determined to fulfill their role as faithful subjects and hold high this banner. It was a sign of whom they belonged to. Banners were used in war as well as they marched toward the enemy. The banner declared who they were, who they were. Oh, their faith and their trust was in the Lord. Notice verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Here is a very clear indication of the great truths in this psalm. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. We find that in the world. The world trusts in chariots and horses. We've moved on a little bit from chariots and horses. We now have tanks and planes and rockets and so on. But you get the idea. These are the things of war that man has invented, that man uses in war. We can apply this to the church. And there are churches today that trust in chariots and in horses in what they can do and the music and the entertainment that they have in how they can attract people into the church. They trust in themselves and in their abilities and in their talents. And we see this across society. Men and women trust in other things. They trust in what they can do and what they can accomplish. But yet the psalmist says, some do these things. But we ourselves, we're different. And as God's people, we ought to be different. Because we are to remember the name of the Lord our God. We are to remember the name of the Lord our God. We're not to go forth into battle. We're not to go forth into the service of God without remembering the name of God. 
He's to be there. We're to pray to him. We're to seek him. We're not to go forth in our own strength. And there's a reminder to us. A reminder to this nation. A reminder to the church. A reminder to ourselves personally. That we're not to trust in those things that we can create or accomplish ourselves. We're to trust in the Lord. Israel may have had men of war and horses and chariots and all the great equipment of the day to wage warfare. But yet it was nothing if God was not with them. We can think of David and Goliath. They had an army. The army would not stand against Goliath. It wouldn't stand against that man that blasphemed the name of God. As we would have said in the school playground, uh, when I was seven, eight years of old, seven, eight years of age, they were chicken. They were scared. They didn't want to stand before this man. They had lost out with God. Uh, their faith was not where it ought to be. They were looking at themselves. And they did not even trust themselves. God's name and God's strength was far from them. David came upon the scene. And David looked at it from the spiritual angle. He saw this man standing against Israel. This was a spiritual fight. And while men and Saul trusted in his armor and others trusted in other things, David remembered the name of the Lord. And he went forth in the Lord's name to fight the Lord's cause. His trust was in him completely. Completely. And that is something, dear believer, you and I ought to remember. That in life as we serve the Lord, we're to remember his name. We don't go forth. David wrote this psalm. He knew this. He had experienced this. He lived this. He ran down the valley to face the giant. He challenged him with his words. He took the stone in his sling. He threw it. He knew God was there guiding and leading and helping him. And he knew God gave the victory. Because he remembered the name of the Lord his God. Let us not forget that. Let that be a challenge to us today. To trust in the Lord. To pray for our rulers. To petition for our king. To trust in God. And though things may seem bleak and seem dark. Yet he is in control. He is in control. He speaks of the enemy. They are brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. Let the king hear us when we call. And then thirdly, there's blessings from God through their king. Verse 9 can be taken not only as a prayer for the king to be blessed, but that through the power of God, they might be blessed by their king. And faithful and loyal subjects pray this and desire this. Blessings through the king. Blessings through the king. May we spiritually receive blessings through our king. Through our king, the Lord Jesus Christ. That when we pray, that he will hear us. When we pray, that he would answer our prayers. That when we pray, he would bless us. These Israelites were to pray that the king would hear the king, through God's protection and God's power and God's counsel and wisdom, that he would bless them. Matthew Henry said, 
In singing these verses, we should encourage ourselves to trust in God and stir up ourselves to pray earnestly as we are in duty bound for those in authority over us, that under them we, that under them we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. And that brings us back to 1 Timothy chapter 2 that we considered some time ago regarding praying for those in authority. Similar words are used there by Matthew Henry. We're to pray for those in authority over us. We're to pray for those in authority in political circles, in the church of Christ, and that we would know the blessing of God being poured out upon us. May we focus upon him and not in chariots, not in horses, but in the name of our God, who is our great saviour and our deliverer. May the Lord bless his word for his name's sake. Amen. Amen.